Hey, brother, let's go. Let's post those podcasts. The 9-11 anniversary is definitely a somber one for all, and I sometimes I don't understand why it's, quote, celebrated, but I do understand why it's acknowledged. And for us, I think, you know, I wanted to release an episode on my thoughts and my story about 9-11, but I didn't want to release a podcast episode on the 20th anniversary of uh, the 9-11 festi- you know, well, the, the 9-11 ceremonies. And I, I thought to myself about how I was going to do this, and... I wrote out notes and I wanted to put my own thoughts out there and tell my story as a means of comfort. And I think as we are as Americans and for those people who do listen internationally, maybe you can, you know, you can uh, relate hopefully uh, to it because it's something that absolutely fucked up my life a hundred percent um as i was 17 years old and i was a senior in high school and for me just i think personally i think what we got to do is we got to look to reflect but i struggled for years to try to find a lesson in 9-11 but for my own personal experience the lesson really is to do some good and no matter what, you know, I was 17 years old, senior in high school. I didn't quite know it just yet, but I had, um, I had met my wife. Um, we weren't married yet, but we just, just started dating and our relationship was a few months, uh, a few months old, really. And the first experience, you know, that, you know, we've really had to try to say, okay, how are we going to figure this out? And, you know, and everyone felt pain that day on 9-11. And, and you know, I don't think I've ever felt something as a big national experience ever since. As I said, I was a senior in high school and, you know, I was in a math class and there was a substitute teacher, Mrs. Pudis, who was trying to get things together and you know she wasn't really a liked person but you know and you know who really likes a substitute as a kid but you know she was trying to get everything together and I remember the you know the principal came on and he was a guy who never ever ever made announcements and he told us, you know, the the Twin Towers have collapsed. And I, I didn't know anything about New York at the time. And um, I, uh, the only thing I really knew about New York was there was a bunch of plays. It was sort of the place where MTV was. And when I was a kid, I used to think people lived in a giant apple. And I didn't really, like, I didn't really put all together the seriousness of it yet. And, you know, I met my wife then, and, you know, we had classes nearby that year, almost the entirety through our schedules. So we got to walk from class to class for the most part, which is pretty nice. 
And we went to a psychology class and we had those, you know, on either side of the hallway. And, you know, now the realization freaking hit in. Like, I'm 17 years old. I'm a newly christened black belt. And I, I've i been, you know, stricken with cerebral palsy. And, you know, I've done okay with it it's up to that point. But still had issues. And my teacher, Mr. Brzezinski, was retiring that year. And he had this look on his face. And he was a... An older man, you know, very relaxed, but, you know, he looked very wiry. And he just, he was a serious teacher, but, you know, he, you could also just, you could be yourself around him. You know, he was a, he was a cool guy. And he was a senior in high school during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he explained, or he might have been a senior in college or something, but, you know, along those levels, similar to us and, you know, mid-60s when the Russians put missiles in Cuba and they were pointing towards us and they could have decimated the entire East Coast. Um, and he told us, you know, he's like, this is war. It's like, we are going to war. Our lives have changed. And he points to us, he goes, your lives have changed. And he talked about how he threw his homework, and when he heard the news of the Cuban Missile Crisis, he threw his homework out the window. And you know, others threw their homework out the window because they're saying to themselves, forget studying, we're going to go fight. And almost in unison, everybody got up and started throwing their stuff or their notebooks and books out the window. And I... I never forgot that feeling, and I'm like, I'm tossing my algebra notebook out the window, just saying, all right, screw this, and, you know, the class kind of got on, but nobody really did anything about it, and the next class, somebody wheeled in a TV, and then we see what was going on, and I'm like, uh-oh, oh no, and then, you know, the school was dismissed shortly after that. And I'm, I'm at home, my mom had the day off, my dad, um, you know, every, nobody was doing shit. Nobody was doing a damn thing, you know. And we all went home and we're just kind of looking. And my grandmother, I remember her coming over and she's crying. And she's a World War II era woman, you know. And she just, she's crying and looking at the screen and she looks to me and she says, our country's in jeopardy. And I'm, you know, sitting here, bad right hand. And, and I just like, you know, what if we get drafted? And, you know, then, you know, my wife and my future mother-in-law already concocted a plan that they would hide me in a closet, which I thought was pretty cute. And, you know, I just, you know, I remember sitting on the back porch and, you know, my dad's like, dude, you're not going to get drafted. I said, why not? You know, he's like, this is war. It's like, because your arm and because of your leg, you're not even going to survive. You wouldn't even make basic training. I felt so damn helpless. If, what the frick? You know, why couldn't I do this? Our homeland got attacked. God damn it. You know, what the hell? Our homeland got attacked. And I still feel this 20 years later at that point. And, you know, I... 
then I said, you know, what can we do? And we're talking about it. You know, what can we do about processing the what happened? And, you know, we're going and for days on end, every single Everything had, you know, preempted programming. Everything was either CBS or National uh, NBC or something or other. You know, you didn't see any of it. You didn't see any of this here. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I can't do anything and just feeling goddamn worthless. And the dojo, uh, Jeff Curry's Karate Center, was open. And I said, okay, we went there. Everybody was there. Every single person, you know, every student just, and nobody's really doing shit. Nobody's doing a damn thing. And, you know, some of us have our gi on, some of us have our belts, some people don't have anything. And Sensei gets up. And he says, you know, guys, says, first off, we're going to figure out what to do. But you got to remember, we're going to do some good. We're going to do some good. And that moment, I realized what we can do. We do some good. And we figure out what to do every day. And even if you can't do anything in the battlefront, you could do some good at home. And, you know, I've never felt helpless that way ever since. Is what you've got to do is find a way. And I think 20 years later, it's something that I realized that, you know, we could still work to give change to a homeless person. We could still work to, you know, maybe do our own workouts at the gym in order to make ourselves physically and mentally better in order to help our family. And hug our loved ones and hug our family and hug our, you know, hug our friends and do some good in little things. Because the battle over, you know, with everything and the battle of terrorism is being sure that we carry on our lives, the good, you know, and do some good stuff. Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm not valuable if I couldn't pick up a gun and go after the bastards who did this. But the people who did this shit don't understand the the tenacity of this country and don't understand that, you know, we could still come together even after the big tragedy. It took a little while and we've still got a good goddamn long way to go, but there's still so much to unpack and there's so much we've got to fix, but we're still standing. And, you know, we don't have to put value in the fact that, you know, we all can't do one thing because we all can't do that one thing. Not everybody's going to be president of the United States or an astronaut or a firefighter or whatever that dream was. Not everybody could be a cop but or a priest or, or whatever or a teacher, your child of dream, but you could still do good. And if we do good things every day just to try something every once in a while, then, then we can say that Al-Qaeda did not win. We can say that the Taliban did not win. And I know that's, that's very, very, very tough times considering everything going on in the world right now. But think about it for your own thing, for your own sake of it. 
if you really want to be able to do to retaliate off of the events of nine, September 11, 2001, still carry on, still do things that you can do. And even for myself, yes, I cannot go out and fight. I wouldn't be able to do it. But I do anything I can to be able to help soldiers. I've donated to charities to help build uh, build homes. You know, Homes for Our Troops is one of my favorites. Um, homes for the veterans. And whatever the hell we can do. And I've done stuff for veteran organizations and CPU organizations and stuff. Stuff that, you know, because they're still needed here. You, the point of all this is remember that you matter. You, you matter with everything that you do. And, you know, we sign off, be good, take care of yourself, but don't be too good. But it's just, find good. Find something that's good. Find something that'll be good today. And then you will do better. And I did not want to release this on the 9-11 anniversary. I figured it'd be too tacky, but we're still going through with it. But it's always a reminder. You know, you matter itself. You do everything that's good. All right. And... Go find some good. All right, that's about it for this week. See you later.